Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jared Olson about disruptive people innovations and the future of HR. Jared Olson, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Ah, thank you so much, John. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I am excited and thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with you, Jared. We've been preparing for this um, recording uh, session for a long time. Far too long. (laughs) Because of COVID, it's just, it's thrown a wrench in things in terms of scheduling, in terms of making sure we had the right equipment. Um, and so I'm, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to have a chat with you today. Uh, for listeners who don't know Jared, I'll, I'll share his bio in just a moment, but Jared is super active in the HR thought leadership space in Utah, uh, particularly in Silicon Slopes, uh, for any of you who might be familiar with that area. And I'm sure he can tell us a little bit more about that as well. And uh, it's just going to be such a fun opportunity to have a discussion. Today, we're going to be focusing on what I'm framing as dis- disruptive people innovations and the future of HR. So we'll talk about disruptive innovation and the future of work a little bit more generally, but we'll drill down into those people management aspects and Jared's experience with uh, culture building and, and, and helping people to have the best possible experience that they can have in the workplace. That's what we'll be focusing on today. As we get started, I just wanted to share Jared's bio with everybody. Jared Olson is a father, a husband, an entrepreneur, workplace culture enthusiast, millennial, and Nacho Libre lover. And I love that aspect of your bio. Uh, I think that's an underappreciated movie. Uh, It is. It's so good. (laughs) I share your love for Nacho Libre. Uh, Jared spends his day at Motivicity, which is the name of his company, helping HR executives and other C-suite members create a culture where employees can be happier about being at work. He does this by combining disruptive HR ideas, software, and thought leadership. He's a board member of, uh, at Disrupt Salt Lake City and was named by Utah Business Magazine as the first ever HR disruptor of the year. His thought leadership has been published by Fox Business, TEDx, Silicon Slopes, Utah Business Magazine, KSL, and Deseret News. He loves advancing company culture and focusing on people, and he loves nothing more than leaving work at four to head home and spend time with his family. And amen to that. Um, I, I, I find that that's kind of my, my focus and effort as well. Work hard, um, but then play hard and spend time with your family and focus on what's important. That's right. Get into the office early, leave early and spend time where it really matters, right? That, that's right. Well, Jared, before we launch into the conversation, anything else about yourself, your background, your personal context that you would like to share with everyone before we get started? 
Uh, no, just if you want to connect with me at any point during this, I, I spark any thoughts for you and say, let's take this a little bit deeper in conversation. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I do, I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. And so just Jared Olson is a simple, easy place to connect with me there. So Jared, you spend your days at Motivicity working on um, innovative culture and you're so active on LinkedIn. Everyone definitely should get connected with you there and see all the great content you put out. Um, and so much of the work that you do is around, you know, how you frame yourself as a, as a disruptor, a disruptor in the HR space. So let's start by talking about that a little bit. What does that mean? Um, you know, we talk about uh, disruptive innovations, Clayton Christensen at Harvard and everything. Um, within this HR and people space, what does disruptive innovation look like? Why is it important? Why are we paying attention to it? Yeah, I, th I think that the reason we need to change the way that we historically have done human resources is because people historically have hated the way people do HR, right? Um, HR is the policy police. They're the, the do's and the don'ts, and, and they're all about regulations and guidance. And, um, and a lot of the time, business leaders and individuals just don't jive with that, right? Heads clash because HR comes in and says, you can and can't do that. And that's not how we are as humans. We as humans are unique and we're individualized and we're different. And we need to celebrate those good things that make us individual. Um, I, I recently read Marcus Buckingham's book, Nine Lies About Work. And one of the lies that, that he talks about is just how it's, um, how it's okay for us to be spiky. And when he talks about spiky, he talks about how individuals have their nuances and their differences. And my favorite quote in this chapter where he talks about being spiky is he says that you should look at individuals' spikiness as a feature, not as a bug. And I think so often that when you go to HR and you say, hey, HR, I, if you're a manager, I need to terminate an employee or I need to performance manage someone, they're going to say, okay, tell me about the bug. What is this person doing that's wrong? And we need a paradigm shift to where we start saying, well, tell me about the features of this person. What makes them unique? How do they advance our company mission? And how do they help us become better as individuals? And so I think that that's one of the key ways and, and a simple way to kind of define this, this uh, disruptive innovation is do we see people for who they are, accept all of that and look for the good? Or do we say, okay, this doesn't align with the, the, the handbook. And so we're going to coach this person out. Um, is that like an okay summary of, of yeah, of, no, I think that's great. And I actually really appreciate the way you framed that. Um, because, you know, the, honestly, the first thing I thought you might say was talking about HR analytics, HR information systems, you know, the technology pieces of the, the disruptive people space. And certainly there's tons of that. And so we can go into that as well. But you framed it in terms of, of mindset shifts, right? Yeah. So, so the future of and disruptive cultures and, and the future of people innovations uh, in the workplace requires us to think about culture and people management differently than perhaps we've thought about it before. And I completely agree with that. Uh, I, think, I think there's so much unhealthy baggage um, that, you know, for whatever reason, we could debate uh, the origins uh, and why it was perpetuated. But for whatever reason, it's there. And when I, you know, I teach HR at the university, when I, when I meet with new students, um, and they're brand new in their very first HR class ever, 
their first thought about what HR is, is Toby from the office. Always. Totally. Always. And, right? and that's, he's such an unfortunate poster child for HR, right? Because it's kind of this caricature of like all the worst aspects of what HR might be, you know, as lovely of, of a person as Toby, you know, the character might've been. Um, and that's not what's going to drive organizational success. Like you said, the, the policy police, nobody wants that including the people who are doing it, you know, the, the people that are in those roles. Nobody likes that. Uh, and so we need to just flip the script. We need to, to reframe the way we understand the role of people management within organizations. And truly, as the tagline of this podcast says, we're, we're looking to figure out how to maximize the human capital potential of organizations. That doesn't come from a deficit perspective. That comes from an asset-based perspective. That comes as we focus on the inherent value that human beings bring to the workplace, how we can leverage and, you know, work for how, looking for how we can better leverage um, those, those contributions and then be more supportive in helping them, you know, bring about their collective genius. That's the goal of organizational leadership. That's the goal of HR. And unfortunately, some of the, the ways it's been structured or framed in the past has, has not helped and contributed to its perception and the role that HR can play as a strategic partner within the organization. You're totally right. And, and HR has always been seen as this department. And I think that as I would redefine the term HR, I would go with human experience, right? And there's a lot of people in the space that are currently talking about what the human experience looks like. But one illustration is, is just from any leader standpoint. So this is not an HR department, not an HR student. Let's just say you're a leader of people. So often when we go to up our chain to our directors and VPs into the C-suite, we report on the success that we have had in producing widgets or generating sales. Or another way to frame that in Dave Ulrich's terms is how many millions you have made. But what we don't stop to ask enough in a human experience world in Dave Ulrich's terms is how many millionaires have you made? How well are you developing your people so that they will become successful at your company, at other organizations, and how are they going out to the community at large and making all of us better? Now, that's not a metric that we are held accountable to. Like when we get our end of year raises and bonuses or whatever time that happens, we're going to talk about performance, which are widgets and sales and all these things. We're not going to focus on leadership development. We're not going to talk about how much better your team is. We're not doing a great job at looking at the analytics of who is a bottom performer and who's become a high performer as a result of the coaching that you have provided. Now, I would argue the single most important thing that a leader can do is to focus on their people. Um, and Kim Scott, in her book, Disrupt, uh, uh, not Disrupt Yourself, Radical Candor, um, she, she shares this experience where she walks into the office and she's got to get ready for a board presentation. So she's got a ton of stuff to do and she's like, I got to get to my computer and get to work. She walks in an employee comes up to her and says, Kim, I, I need to talk to you and talks about this family issue that's going on. And it's 45 minute conversation, emotionally draining because of the challenges this person's dealing with. She turns the corner and sees another employee says, Kim, I got to tell you about this awesome thing that happened to my kid. And it's the opposite emotions of elation and excitement, but it still takes 30, 45 minutes to celebrate. Turns the corner. Another employee says, Kim, can I talk to you about this business? 
interesting that's going on right now. So she enters her office about four hours after she was supposed to get there. She calls up her mentor and she says, hey, how am I ever going to get work done? And her mentor says, Kim, you don't understand what getting work done is. Getting work done is having these conversations. It is being emotionally invested in the, in the good, in the bad, in the business questions, and all of these things that you did is how you should be spending your time. That is the human experience, is being able to be available for people to help them succeed. And I think that that's where we're missing the dot of, optimizing our human capital. Um, we have to stop thinking of one department that says you can and can't, and we need to start saying, how are we empowering people to become their authentic and best self at work? Yeah, a amen. And, and that's actually one of the things that I try to convey, uh, whether it's with students at the university or it's with a business where I'm doing consulting work, is that every single leader, it doesn't matter if you're like the lowest level line supervisor, uh, all the way up to the CEO. Every single leader within an organization that has responsibility for people uh, has to do what you just said, right? Yeah. And and which means they have to understand HR uh, and not not kind of the old Toby from the office kind of HR, right. but un understanding the importance of creating a safe space where people can bring their authentic self to work. Understanding how to empower employees, understanding motivation factors and creating uh, a, an environment where people can find their motivation and be self-motivated, uh, so on and so forth, right? That's, that's what being a leader is. That's all HR stuff, especially the way we're framing HR right now. And that's what every leader needs to be able to do to be effective in their jobs. And I'm sure you know, you probably have stories. I have so many stories of well-meaning leaders who get caught up in the day-to-day -day grind of just like putting out the fires, going to meetings, um, and, and just like doing the tactical elements of, of the work. And, and there's those elements that need to be done, but they, they're completely absent from that human experience. They're completely absent from the, that emotional piece. They're completely absent from the empowering and motivational piece. Uh, and that's not really leadership. That's, that's management, right? And there's a big difference between leadership and management. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
That's right. And uh, you look at uh, an easy example would be a one-on-one, -on -one, right? So employee sits down with their manager and the manager is going to say, okay, let's talk about what you've been working on. Um, that conversation is going to be so focused in the weeds and on the widgets produced and all of those details of, hey, how are you accomplishing the numbers that you're held accountable to? And how often, just think about it, any listener right now, think about your team. When was the last time you sat down for an hour straight and just asked question after question to the employee about them? about their family, about their, their mental wellness, about their emotional attitude, about their self-deception that they might be struggling with, or about how they see themselves crushing it in certain areas. I bet the answer is you haven't, right? And you may have never done that. Like, I have been surprised that I, I love to hear people's stories, and I even have to stop and reflect and say, man, when was the last time I asked for an update on this person's story? And now, Let's reframe a one-on-one -on -one for a second. Instead of sitting down saying, how are you producing at this? Tell me about this customer. Tell me about this issue. Tell me about this revenue. We say, tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about how did you meet your spouse? How are your kids right now? What are the biggest challenges that you're dealing with for, as, as a parent? How do you think um, our company fits into your overall career? And how are we helping you progress? What's your average timeline to be somewhere and why? What are, what are your intrinsic motivators? What gets you out of bed every single day? Tell me about a recent lesson you, you learned about religion or personal faith. What do you believe in? These really basic human conversations that we have at dinner with strangers, we don't do when we sit down with our employees. And that's the mental shift that we have to make in, in the world of HR. We need to empower people to start having these conversations. And if it doesn't start out of the get-go, there's a lot of framework that has to be set to get there. Because could you imagine as an employee, if your manager who's always belittling you, always talking down to you, comes and starts asking these questions, you can be like, what is going on? Like there's a huge element of trust that has to be established. And there's a lot of vulnerability that has to be there to create an authentic conversation. And it goes both ways. Just because you as a leader might be excited after this conversation today to go have this conversation doesn't mean that your employees are going to want to start sharing. You're going to have to do a lot of buildup to get them comfortable to a place where they'd be able to do that. But I think that's just one illustration of leadership is, is that one-on-one -on -one is a key paradigm shift of how are you entering that conversation to help and care about someone. Yeah, yeah. And it's the ability to focus on the one, on the individual in the moment that they need your attention. So we talk about issues around mindfulness, uh, for example. I think that's, that's something that's important for everyone to think about. In what ways do you practice mindfulness? For leaders, it's really important because you've got so much stuff going on in your head. You have all these things you're trying to navigate. You're trying, you know, if, if I have a team of all these different people, all with their own lives going on, all the different complexities, plus on, layered on top of that, I have all of the different KPIs that I, I'm responsible for that I have to report on. And I have to think about this, that, and the other. And on top of that, now I have to worry about like how to keep the doors open with COVID and, and whatever. Like it, it becomes overwhelming. It, it yeah. can be so difficult. And it's really easy, even when you have the best of intentions and you schedule the time, you sit down with that person, you're going to just have some personal one-on-one -on -one time to have this human conversation to just have all that stuff going on in the back of your head. 
throughout yeah. the entire conversation. And then you're not actually authentically connecting. And then, yeah. the, and then you don't build the trust that will yeah. allow you to continue to develop that, that relationship that will help in, in uh, creating an atmosphere of commitment rather than compliance. When yeah. I think about the really healthy organizational cultures, it's where everyone is genuinely excited to show up to work, to contribute to the, the shared purpose, and they feel commitment to it. Like they, they're willing to put up with setbacks. They're willing to put up with frustrations. They're willing to put up with a pandemic. They're willing to put up with a lot of stuff because they know everyone has each other's back. They know everyone's committed to the purpose and they're all working towards that end. That's a very, very different type of a culture than one where everyone kind of shows up begrudgingly because they don't really have any better options. Um, they, they're just com complying with policies and procedures and rules and trying to kind of get by. And oftentimes they end up doing the bare minimum so they don't make waves, they don't disrupt the status quo, they'll just do what they need to do and then they go home. Um, two very different cultures, two very yeah. different organizational perform, individual and organizational performance outcomes. And it all is built upon these authentic relationships, building trust and developing, which has to be developed over time. That's so true. Can I give one practical tip on how to start? Um, my tip would be the next time that you go to a meeting, um, start your meeting with a highlight, right? And, but, hey, before we start, I got to tell you something awesome. And what your highlight should be is someone on your team. And so here's what you can do. Either as an employee, go to a peer or as a leader, go to one of your employees and say, hey, I've got a meeting next week and I want to go in and I want to share a highlight and my highlight is going to be you because I think you've had a huge impact on the team. Are you available for one hour for us to go get a drink, go grab lunch, or just to have a Zoom call? Um, and first of all, that's gonna make that employee feel so flattered. Wait, I'm your highlight and you wanna hear more about my story? They're obviously gonna say yes, and something different is going to happen. Now, the advantage of going to lunch, if you can swing that in a pandemic, is that it's a neutral setting. HR leaders, we always are in the realm of authority, right? If you come into HR's office, we sit behind our desk, we have our modesty shield, you can't see us, we're in control, and you're very vulnerable sitting in a chair not knowing why you're there. As soon as you go get food, you're in a neutral place, and food is this very human element all of us have to do. Inevitably, when you're standing in line to order, when you're waiting for the food, you're going to talk about family and kids and the soccer games and Christmas gifts or whatever it might be. And during that time, you're going to have some human connection actually result. And then you can get in. So after you've done that, say, tell me about you. Tell me your story. Tell me about why you chose to come to Motivosti. How has the company had an impact on your life? What about the life of your family and kids? And you can ask some of these questions because you've set up the right expectation. There's nothing more terrifying than HR or your boss coming to you saying, hey, do you have a minute that we can talk? The only thing more terrifying is, hey, do you have an hour to talk? Oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? But when you say, you're my highlight, I want to hear your story, you go and you ask this question and just learn. I mean, try not to even make it about work. Don't make it about the specific tasks that you're working on every day. And then when you go to that first meeting, say, I want to tell you John's story. He's my highlight. And let me tell you about what I learned about John. And I can guarantee 
that the rest of that leadership team, the rest of your team, whoever's in that meeting is going to say, oh my gosh, that was a brilliant use of time and I have to do that with my direct reports or my team as well. And all of a sudden we'll start spreading, right? And it's just because you set this expectation of I care about you to have an authentic conversation and let's be vulnerable together. The other reason this works really well is because all of us are super hungry. We're built and designed as humans to, um, to be validated. We want people to see us at our, our best. Now, there's nothing more I want than to be appreciated. The only thing I want more than that is for my boss to appreciate me, right? And to see that. Now, that, that goes in all aspects of life. At home, it's my wife. I want my wife to give lots of validation that I'm doing a good job as her husband and as a father to my kids. At work, we want our boss to do that. So we're built for it. We're designed for it. We mentally need it. And that's why if we just spend an hour talking to people giving that validation, hearing that story, magic will result. Damaged relationships will be mended. HR will have this new light where everybody says, I like this group. They really care about me. They see my features that I'm adding to the organization, and they're not focused on the negative things that I do. I've also done this a handful of times in, in lieu of performance management. And what's been really interesting is we talked to a, a problem, quote, employee, um, we actually say, hey, we've noticed that there's a problem with this specific issue in the office. Do you have any ideas how we could fix it? Instead of us saying, you're a problem, you need to fix this, we say, hey, we've noticed it, can you help brainstorm? And they say, oh my gosh, I'm kind of guilty of this. And we're like, that's okay, but like, what ideas do you have? And they'll start brainstorming. They then go back to the office and now they're an advocate for the change. Like it's that small paradigm shift of just human experience, human connection, putting us together. You're not a problem. You're an add to the organization and we care about you in all aspects of your life. I love that, Jared. Great suggestion. Uh, very uh, easy to implement. I would, I would invite everyone listening to, to give it a try and, and, and riff off of it. Think, think about other related yeah. types of just simple touch points, simple ways to make those human connections. Well, Jared, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by and we're, we're nearing the, the end of our time together. Before we close though, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about you and your organization uh, so they can reach out if they need any assistance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, LinkedIn is the best way. Hit me up there. Jared Olson, happy to connect with you. Um, and you know what I love most about what's happening at Motivosity right now is that we, our goal is to help people be happier about being at work. Everything we do from a software technology perspective is designed to help leaders have these kind of authentic conversations to operationalize what sounds like a daunting task of looking for the good in others and to really provide the analytics that help you as a leader understand how engaged your team is. Um, and the result is that people are happier about being at work. Like that's, that's the fo central focus of what we do. And it's not about talking about compensation. It's not about talking about what you're getting done at work. It's really about being authentic and vulnerable as we've discussed today. So if, if you have any interest, check out Motivosity, hit me up on, online at LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to continue the conversation with you. Wonderful. I invite listeners to reach out to Jared, get connected, find out more about what he and Motivosity can do for you. And as always, I hope you all stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. 
and I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.